Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Marie Claire and the Thinker Girls present... We need to talk about. We need to talk about. We need to talk about. No, seriously, we actually do. Today's topic, happiness. A forward from the editor of Marie Claire, Nikki Brigger. Hi, I'm Nikki Brigger and I'm the editor of Marie Claire. Happiness is a perennial topic these days. Everyone's looking for it, but in many cases it seems so far away. This was made clear to us with a new global research revealing that 65% of millennials say that they will never be as happy as their parents. This was such a depressing statistic for us, so we decided to look into it. We weren't really surprised to hear that when Yale University launched their happiness course, it became the most popular course they have ever done. So, can you really learn happiness? To find out, we commissioned Marie Claire staffer Catherine Madden to undertake the course to see if she could find her inner happiness. Enjoy the episode of our podcast series and over to the Thinker Girls. Why were you interested in the happiness trend? Where was the motivation for this article? Well, I came across a study, a global study, that showed that about 65% of Australian millennials fear that they're never going to be as happy as their parents. Um, A lot of them pointed to the dream of home ownership slipping further and further out of their reach, and others spoke about that perpetual pressure on them to be perfect. Was that a surprise to you, that it was 65%? Yeah, it actually was. But I think happiness can be a hard thing to to measure and sometimes you don't know if you're happy or you're not. Mm -hmm. Do you think that people, like millennials, truly believe their parents are happier or do you think that it was a picture painted to them that they were happier? Well, that's what I wondered about. I thought, don't we all think that the generation before us had it easier? In some mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Catherine, you have this idea for an article. You yeah. go exploring what happens next. Yeah, well, the funny thing that happened at the same time is that about a year ago, um, Professor Laurie Santos, who's from Yale University in the States, had noticed that she had all these really high achieving students that really seemingly you know, had so much going for them, but she thought they didn't seem that happy. So she decided to start a course. Um, to teach them how to be happy. So it was called The Science of Wellbeing and it was about um, teaching them about positive psychology and how to apply it to their own lives. And then overnight it became the most popular course in Yale's history. So like 1,200 students enrolled for the first semester. So that would be age group from, you know, kind of 19 to 24 Mm. on average, right? Yeah, about that. Yeah, right. And obviously they were all just, you know, seeking out ways to be happier And, yeah, the course just became so popular that they decided to put it online and anyone could do it for free. So then my editor asked me to be a little lab rat and give it a go and report back. Okay, so what was your thinking after that that experience when your editor says, all right, 
you're going to sign up. Were you hesitant? Are you thinking that it could work? Like, what was your mindset before undertaking it? I was thinking, like, I like to think I'm a relatively happy person already, but I think it's something that you can always work on. And I think the interesting thing with happiness is that it kind of peaks and troughs and ebbs and flows. So even if you're happy today, you never know what's going to happen down the track. So anything you can do to learn, like, hacks and strategies to be happier. It's a good thing. Uh, did you and did you have that insight before you did the course? Like, so in the moment when your editor <laughs> says to you, "Go do this course, Catherine," did you have those thoughts already, or were these things that you felt you learned later? Some of them I probably definitely learned along the way. A really interesting thing that I learned early on in the course is that forty percent of happiness is with you, within your own control. So the other sixty comes down to life circumstance and um, genetics. But that 40% we actually can control ourselves. So I thought that was a really like positive way to start. So you're sitting here going, okay, I need to do this course. I need to enroll. What's the process? How long did it take? You know, what, what was the early stages of this? Yeah, so basically you just click onto the course and you're met with video lectures by Professor Santos, um, who's great. And then it's just like, I think it really should take you about eight weeks to do, but unfortunately because of deadlines, I had to kind of cram it all into about two weeks. Okay. You're doing it. You're thinking you've got a pretty good gauge mm-hmm. of what is happiness, how you're, how you're feeling in your life, just to go personal for a second. Yeah. What, what was a video that stood out to you where you went, oh, sh- okay, that is different. I had never thought about approaching my life and approaching in inverted commas happiness in this particular way okay well this was an interesting one because in a way some of the things in the course that shocked me are also really really obvious so a lot of of what she talks about is that the things that you think are going to make you happy are not So, and it's kind of been drummed into us since we're young that superficial stuff isn't the key to contentment. And then it extends beyond just stuff to even like success, career success, you know, owning a home, looking great, all of these things where a lot of us are striving for them because we think that's going to make us happy. And um, yeah, Professor Santos talks about this notion called hedonic adaptation, which is the way really wonderful things kind of lose their luster. So you might be so excited that you got a promotion or, you know, a new dress, but then think about it about like two months after a promotion, how many of us are then dissatisfied again and wanting the next thing Mm -hmm. and the next thing. And that's just human nature, but it's understanding that maybe those kind of things we're aspiring to aren't going to be the key to feeling really fulfilled. Mm. And what about the moments? Did, did they talk about any of the moments where we seem to obsess with what we don't have? Yeah, really interesting. So one of the things, and it's probably going to incite a few eye rolls, but one of the things that she recommends you do is to keep a gratitude journal. Ah, yeah. We've spoken about it on yeah. the Thinker Girls Pod channel a lot. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think it was only a few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, literally a couple yeah. of weeks but ago. But that's exactly what I thought about it is that we – I know I spend a lot of time thinking about the things that I don't have that I wish I had, so why not take some time to stop and just, like, think about the things that you do have? Did you do it? Yeah, I did. I started trying to – like, I started by trying to write a little list, like three things mm-hmm. every night, and, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't always have to be worthy it can be like you know you can give thanks for your uber eats or, or your pen, <laughs> pen or yeah, the yeah. puppy you met yeah but then also stopping and actually considering more serious things like your family's health or whatever that does put things into perspective 
But one way I did it is that a friend and I started texting each other each day something mm. oh, that we were thankful for, and that was quite a nice way to do it. Mm. It's harder than you think, though, and then yeah. you start to think, like, after 10 days, you're like, am I a really ungrateful human because I have so much to be happy for? But you actually have to, you know get creative but also I guess learn to savour the little things. Did the course cover anything in terms of social media the way that we live our lives in 2018 now or as you know younger people grow up and how that differs from past generations experience with happiness? Yeah well it touched a I mean it's it touched a lot on social media and one of the interesting things is that um, we've seen that anxiety and depression have um, increased quite dramatically in young people since about 2012 and that is coincides with the advent of smartphones. And in the study, um, in the course, Professor Santos just says to the to the students in the lecture, and it's funny because they're all 19, 20, and she says, just switch off your social media. That's going to make you so much happier than you think. And they all look shocked. But, yeah, she has various studies that show that, you know, if you turned off your social media, it could make you twice as happy as getting a dream job sort of thing. Wow. Um, and, d- and did you trial any of that within the course? Yeah, so I tried. I wouldn't say that I'm the biggest social media user relatively, but I still, you know, mindlessly scroll Instagram every day. And I really tried not to at all for about two weeks. And the, it was interesting because I realised I didn't miss, like, that much. Yeah. And when I looked back at it, I was kind of thought, how much of this is enriching my life? Some things are, but I think even... Since then, I tried to a bit of a cull and, like, you know, if if I'm following someone that's giving me absolutely no positive value, then why am I following them? Mm, mm. Okay, so talk to us. After the course, mm. would you say that you are a happier person? I think so. We You do a little um, – you do a quiz at the, at the start and at the end to measure your happiness and see where you come out, and I definitely improved a few degrees, which was good. And, yeah, I think there are heaps of really good strategies and hacks in there to – to try to bring to my daily life. So if someone was to say it's the course worth doing or we could just get your snapshot at it, (laughs) I mean, what would be your key takeaways of of the course that other people could take away today? So I guess the kind of the three main topics would be about seizing the everyday, which comes down to the gratitude journal kind of idea and just trying to appreciate your everyday. And then another technique um, uh, Professor Santos had was visualisation. So it's about stopping and thinking, maybe if you're feeling a bit low or a bit of a bad mood, you visualise a happy memory, something that takes yourself back to a beautiful holiday or a concert you're at with your friends. And I did that once when I was standing in the rain in a bad mood, waiting for the train kind of thing. And just thinking about something, a really happy time in your life can just give you a little positive boost. Okay, so being in the present moment, what were the other key takeouts that you, that you could share with us? Um, so I guess as well what ties in with the social media, using that less, is instead um, interacting with others more. So relationships mm. are just so important mm. to your happiness. It doesn't have to be a romantic one, just those social connections and also beyond like your friends and family it's interacting even with strangers mm. and like for me that that's not something I'd do I'd rather stab myself in the eye than strike <laughs> up a conversation <laughs> on a train with a stranger but she really encouraged it in the course and so I would try to like I'm always rushing into work in the morning but I'd try to stop and talk to the receptionist yeah. make eye contact in the building with people and 
talk to people in the kitchen and like sometimes it might be awkward or uncomfortable but if it's good you do get that little surge of endorphins and it's nice and I think that does contribute to your well-being on some level Mm, yeah so agree well I guess another thing on that topic I mean it sounds so obvious but it's kindness and you know she had one study that showed they gave a bunch of people $20 notes and they said to half of them go and spend it on yourself and to the other half go and spend it on someone else and the people that spent it on someone else came back overwhelmingly Mm. happier Mm. so maybe it's just about us all you know going to the pub and buying our friends around drinks yeah or just giving two bucks to a busker yeah you know so many people walk past awkwardly it's like You've got $2. It's not going to kill mm. you. People can do this course. Where where do they find the info? So the course is called The Science of Wellbeing and you can find it at Coursera.org and it's coming up second in the most popular courses. There. Okay. What's it called, the course? The Science of Wellbeing. Okay. We'll put it in show notes as well yeah. if you guys want to check out the link and have a bit of a squeeze yourself. And it's free. It's free. Yeah, it's free. And then you're that a Yale graduate. Hang you on. can't put that on your bloody resume. Oh, my God. That's enough for just the whole thing. How, and so eight, eight weeks, you reckon? I think that's about okay. when it's broken down. It's about eight weeks. If you do want to read more about Catherine's article and, and read in detail her experience, you can check it out in December's issue of Marie Claire. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks so much. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The book is called Happy As, and the subtitle is Why the Quest for Happiness is Making Us Miserable. Uh, so you can sort of read into that. But essentially, my background is I um, kicked off doing a PhD around the link between happiness and the advertising industry and whether or not advertising and marketing creates our concept of happiness. And it became broader than that and became linked to our sociocultural understanding of what happiness is as well as, you know, our, um, you know, the complete package around what gears us towards desiring happiness. And one of the key takeouts for me was um, happiness is definitely something that is part of our times. It's, you know, a central issue for us. Um, It's something that is part of our cultural narrative, which might have been very different, you know, 50 or 100 years ago or a 1,000 years ago as well. So, I think we've sort of geared ourselves towards almost requiring happiness and um, thinking that it's something that is absolutely essential within our everyday lives. And I truly believe that it is part of our part of the times, part of the zeitgeist of what we're experiencing at the moment rather than being an actual element that we are searching for as human beings.
I think that a lot of the elements weren't surprising to me because I had sort of experienced them before myself and I've also, you know, seen them play through with friends of mine. So, for example, there's this really strong um, sense around the arrival fallacy, which is this notion that when we get to a particular place, we're going to experience happiness. And so, we establish these milestones for ourselves around, you know, if I meet that person or if I have that child or if I I get my summer bod on, I'm going to experience happiness. And um, it's what, you know, psychologists refer to as the arrival fallacy. When people get to that actual place, they realize that that thing is not actually going to be the component that's going to make them happy or, you know, uh, allow them to experience that emotion. So, that within itself was not surprising to me because I do think that we've all experienced that previously or, you know, we've been around friends who have experienced things like that, we're in the constant pursuit of the next thing which will satisfy our needs. What did surprise me about the whole thing is the fact that happiness is, you know, very much linked to our times and our understanding of it as this all singing, all dancing emotion, um, you know, the fleeting um, transient emotion um, is very much linked to, you know, this decade and, um, you know, our prerequisite for um, this emotion is something that is very much linked to us and what we were taught. Um, growing up. It's part of human nature. You know, we're always reaching, we're always striving for the next thing. And, you know, there is this whole advertising and marketing industry that's established around us, which sort of um, educates us or provides us guidance around what are the cultural norms that we should be following? What's the next thing that we should be desiring? And I often think about it in the sense of, um, I'm not sure if you've ever noticed, you sort of uh, put parameters around what you can spend. So, for example, if you make it, if you're in a job and you're, you're making a hundred dollars a week, you'll you'll spend a hundred dollars. But if you're in a job and you're making, you know, fifty, um, then fifty thousand or something along those lines, you move up to that next level, and you keep moving on in those increments, right? Because there's always a desire for something more, and we're always educated around what's that something more should be. So, we're always reaching for something. And um, part of, I guess, this course in Yale is really educating people around the fact that this striving for the next thing, the arrival fallacy, is not actually what's going to make us happy and that we need to link back to what is our authentic notion of the emotion and, you know, what we authentically desire as human beings to actually get back to that place where we're going to experience happiness. You know, whether or not a course like um, the one that's being held at Yale or, you know, all these different books that are out there and these different podcasts and mediums that are sort of instructing us around happiness, um, whether or not they're actually creating more impetus around the need to be happy, certainly I think they are. And I think... What I really advocate for is a complete reframing of the concept of being happy. In fact, I would throw out the word happiness altogether and the word happy and restructure it completely for people because I think that happiness is very much linked to our times. It's a sociocultural phenomenon. The way we understand it is based on the society that we live in at this very moment in time. If we went back 100, 200, 
200 years, it would have been completely different. So I would completely advocate that the pressure that we're experiencing to feel happy all the time is unrealistic. There is a plethora of other emotions that we can experience and that we do experience on a daily basis from anger to frustration to joy to all sorts of things. And I think that, you know, that's only human that that happens. However, we're so geared towards happiness that we feel like we shouldn't be experiencing those other emotions when in reality, the only way we can actually tell that we are happy is if we are experiencing those other emotions and we have a benchmark against those things. My my key um, area around happiness is, you know, we tell our children, all we want for you is to be happy. And even as adults, we tell ourselves, I just want to be happy. But don't we want something more? Like, don't we want to live a life that is more meaningful? Um, don't we want to experience what it is to be alive? And those things, that um, that whole plethora of things that comes into meaning, connection, a sense of being alive, they comprise of a whole lot more than just happiness. We can go way back to like, you know, the ancient Greeks and Plato, and they all had concepts around the notion of happiness. But the word was slightly different different and, um, you know, comprised of a whole different raft of things. It was sort of based on leading the good life, you know, participating in civic duties, in political life, in, um, you know, having greater meaning and connection in what we did in our lives. So, you know, I like the analogy from Hugh Mackay in terms of um, the, the ancient Greeks thought about the good life as such. And as we've moved forward, our concept of happiness has really changed. And, you know, we can look at the Renaissance period where all of the emotions were really um, lauded as as king and queen um, and, and the thought of, you know, being able to lead a life which comprised of all those emotions was thought of as, you know, the good life. And as we move sort of into the 20th and the 21st century, then the sense of happiness um, being this fleeting, ephemeral, transient emotion started to really ramp up. And in the last last 10 or 20 years, it's really um, hit its stride, I would say. Uh, And I think there's a lot of elements that go into this new um, fandangled notion of what happiness actually means. And our world has become so quick and fast. Everything is so easy and at the tip of our fingertips. You know, we can order food um, via our mobile phones. We can, um, you know, bring up the particular movie that we want to watch in, you know, 10, 15 seconds. You know, while back in the day, we had to wait for things for a longer period of time. And this has this has sort of changed the way we want to experience emotions as well. And now we want to experience emotions quickly, as quickly as possible. We don't want to go through the journey to get there. And so, we want to experience happiness ASAP. And on top of that, we want to be hooked up to the happiness IV. We don't want to experience all the other emotions. We just want that, you know, all singing, all dancing, perfect sense of bliss, which we associate with a sense of happiness. How to describe happiness in the 21st century? I think it really varies on uh, the type of person that you meet and the experiences that they might have. And uh, it's not an age thing. 
So I've done a whole heap of interviews with a variety of different people, you know, from 18-year-olds through to 60-year-olds about happiness and about meaning and connection. And what I found was that it really varied and that some people uh, did – describe it as, you know, I'm going to be, uh, I literally had people saying to me, I'm going to be happy when I have that body or I'm going to be happy when I have that lifestyle, you know. So, I literally had people saying things like that to me and I had other people saying to me, happiness is more about, you know, a a greater sense of meaning within, you know, my life, within the workplace, within my relationships. I had other people saying, you know, it's more of a, a sense of contentment. I don't need to experience this high sense of happiness all the time, I can just experience a more plateau effect. So, it's really quite varied between different people. I think that certainly, um, you know, uh, the media and advertising industry around us describes those quick fixes, you know, those, um, you know, if I have that outfit, if I have that car, if I have uh, that lifestyle, I'm going to experience a sense of happiness. But people are pretty smart. They're pretty switched on. And And, um, you know, people that have experienced a lot of different things in their lives and have learned a lot of different things will will know that they are indeed quick fixes and that uh, the path to a more um, substantial sense of happiness is uh, the journey and the sense of contentment that you experience on that journey. I talk about reframing the concept of happiness and the word all together. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a five letter word. And, uh, I think that it has a lot of, uh, connections loaded into it. And I think that we need to, to reframe it. And there's a lot of different words that you can use. And I think people are truly searching for me- broader meaning and connection within their lives. Um, they're looking for a way to live out their life as such. Um, You know, why are we here for these 70 odd years, um, you know, on this planet rotating around the sun? What does it mean exactly? What does it mean for me? And I think that we jump to the notion that we should just be happy for this period of time when in reality, there's all these other things that we're actually looking for and searching for. I think the best way uh, I've ever heard anyone describe it is by Joseph Campbell, who uh, wrote the book, Um, the hero with a thousand faces and he says people are looking for happiness meaning and connection but really what they're looking for is a sense of being alive and I absolutely love that notion I love the idea that really what we're looking to experience is life As I move more and more into intrigue around a wellness space in my work life, I have found it really interesting to watch what's out there in terms of what's sold and how now we have a price tag on Mm. this happiness thing. And what I think I found the difference between the happiness trend and the wellness trend is that the price tag shouldn't just be on the happiness tag. In my opinion, the price tag needs to be on all of the emotional tags and that is what a wellness plan Mm. is for yourself. I think for many years when we started to open up the wellness page and Oprah started talking about being happy and there were these conversations happening, people just went to what is looked upon as the easier option. I want to be happy so please give me a a way that I can do that. Well, it's multi-layered for sure and Mm. a lot more complex and I think that's what I've certainly learned 
um, from this podcast and and the chats that we have had um, as part of this series, which is happiness isn't just something that you attain, no. and and also that you can feel happy and then shitty and then happy. Like it, it's like a wave; it can mm. come in and out and can change incredibly quickly. But it's that kind of grounding and balance that you find to bring yourself back to the that state quicker and easier perhaps if you're in a good headspace or you know yeah from that wellness perspective I think as well it's really important to know that if the happiness feeling that you have can't exist without the sad one so if you don't have something to compare to then you don't have a happiness so it's really important to make sure that you respect both of those parts of your personality and your mood Mm, and and honor both of them Mm. this has been a co-production between the thinker girls and Marie Claire Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.